0: You're listening to the Play Like a Girl podcast, episode number 17. You play ball like a girl! I'm Nikki B with Play Like a Girl, made just for female athletes. hello everyone welcome to the play like a girl podcast i'm your host nikki b here at play like a girl we aim to encourage more confidence in young women who play sports and give them the necessary tools and advice to have an amazing career in sports and beyond if you are a young woman who plays sports and lives an active lifestyle or you know one of these young women i am so excited you are here Each week, we will either bring you a guest in the sports world or have a roundtable discussion of the many taboo and important topics in the world of female sports. Are you with me? Let's change the game. Before we dive into this episode, I want to share the review of the week. We want to start sharing these reviews. So be sure to leave a review with your name and IG handle to get a shout out. This week's review comes from at unorganized who writes, there have been so many incredible guests already sharing their knowledge and sports on the sports world. Definitely a breath of fresh air hearing other women's struggles and successes throughout their careers. Thank you so much, unorganized and lost for that amazing review. Ladies, this week's guest is Laurel House. She is an American author, TV personality, and international dating coach with a no-games approach to dating. You may be wondering why we have a dating coach on this podcast, but actually some of our listeners have DM'd us asking for dating advice. Not only will we chat about Laurel's tips for dating, but she was also a competitive figure skater until the age of 15, so she's got an inner athlete and competitive side to her. After listening to this podcast, I have no doubt you'll be able to navigate hard conversations, own and be confident in who you are, love vulnerably, do anything your heart desires, and not take no for an answer. She opens up about not having a life outside of skating until she was 15, being bullied in junior high, overcoming adversity, and how she knows she's not perfect and that she doesn't want to be. All right, Plague listeners, please give a warm welcome to our guest today, Laurel. Thank you so much for hopping on the podcast today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I am so excited to interview you because you are like, oh my gosh, not just a dating coach. I feel like you're like a life coach and I'm so excited to dive into all this stuff with you because I think, I mean, of course, dating is a big thing for, you know, high school, college girls. So I think it's going to be an important topic for us to cover. But before we dive into all that, something I like to do with our guests is some rapid fire questions so they can get to know you a little better. So you're ready. (laughs) Okay. First one, where do you currently reside?
1: I live in LA. I was actually born in LA, so and that is Los Angeles, not Louisiana. Yes.
0: Perfect. So <laughs> yeah. you grew up there and currently live there. What sports did yeah. you play growing up?
1: Um, I only played played. I didn't play. I was an ice I was a figure skater. So yes. I was uh terrible at group sports, but But I was
0: a figure skater all by myself. (laughs) Yes. Well, when I messaged you, I was so excited to hear that you were a competitive ice skater. I think that is so cool. And you're our first ice skater on the podcast. So can't wait to talk about that. But um, next question, what is your favorite quote?
1: So it's less of a quote and more of a mantra. And it is, you've got this. And it's what I tell myself whenever I have social anxiety and public speaking anxiety and a lot of other anxieties. (laughs) So whenever I am at all anxious, I just repeat it in my mind over and over. You've got this.
0: Love that. That was so good, especially for our young girls. Okay. And then what is one of your superpowers?
1: To get people to... uh, Expose their deepest, darkest to me upon meeting it immediately. It's just like all of a sudden I know their entire life history. The number of times that people have said to me, oh my God, I don't know why I'm telling you this. I've never told anyone this before. I'm like, yeah, I, yes, I know. That's, that's what I do.
0: That's awesome. (laughs) So you're just someone that people can immediately trust. That's like such a good quality to have. Okay. And then finally, who is your favorite athlete?
1: Um, Michael Phelps. And it's not necessarily obviously he's an amazing athlete, but more than his athletic ability, it's about who he has shown up to be uh, in terms of his openness, his authenticity, his revealing of his humanity, especially lately. He's been doing these commercials about um, about depression and about seeking therapy and how that helped. And I really admire someone who is able to unapologetically be vulnerable.
0: Right, I know, I love that too. And I think it's so important, especially, you know, I think a lot of times men feel like they need to be, you know, like this guy and not show emotions, you know, big macho guy. So the fact that he's come out and said that, and you know, like you said, express that, I think is just absolutely amazing.
1: Which is actually really interesting that you would say that because mm-hmm. right now my clients, you know, I'm a dating and empowerment coach and about 70% of my clients currently are men mm-hmm. so while wow. they do put out this I'm so strong I'm so resilient mm-hmm. they're also really scared and mm-hmm. unsure and and it happens to be 70% now sometimes it's a hundred percent women it's constantly mm-hmm. evolving but it's it's interesting to see my my men and mm-hmm. and guys because my youngest client is 22 um, and how they, and, and also for my podcast, um, which is Man Whisperer, mm-hmm. the number of guys who are in college and even high school who send me emails saying, you know, please don't reveal my name, but I'm really insecure, I'm really ashamed, I'm really scared, I'm really whatever about uh, so many different things, and they want me to address their concerns on the show, which is, um, it's, it's it says a lot to me, and it makes me feel really proud of our men mm-hmm. and how they're getting over their need to present this constant pillar of, of superhero dumb, which there right. is dumb. <laughs>
0: yeah. I love that. That's so cool. That's great to know. Well, we'll dive in. I want to dive into all of that, your podcast, yeah. um your dating coach, or your all of that stuff later. But first, um want to dive into your experience as a competitive ice skater. How did you get into that?
1: So, I started skating when I was 5. I went to a like a group birthday party I had never skated before and the teacher came up to me and my parents after the birthday and said you know you have natural ability I'd love to coach you now who knows if he was saying that to every single (laughs) child there just to get some (laughs) private clients but I of course was like yes I have this natural ability I want to skate so uh, I immediately dove in and what that looked like was me skating every weekday um Usually, he would pick me up from home at 4 a.m. I would skate private ice in the morning. He would drive me. I would change in the back of his car. Uh, he would drop me off at school. He would pick me up after school. I would skate until my dad picked me up at 6 o'clock. And wow. that was my life. Um, wow. And it was, it was hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't necessarily know if... I would, if I have a a son uh, who I want to get into hockey, but Mm -hmm. if I had a daughter, I don't know that I would um, push her in the way that I was in order to be a figure skater like I was because I feel that I did miss out on a lot of other things at that age. That being said, I also learned so many invaluable lessons Mm -hmm. and being a skater shaped who I am am today in in many ways.
0: That is amazing. And yeah, let's dive into that too. I mean, I feel like being a competitive ice skater takes a ton of toll, especially like on a young girl. So, what yeah. what was that like for you? And you said, you know, there are pros and cons with it but was um cuz you ended up quitting I think at 15, was that an easy decision yeah. for you or what were kind of, you know, your pros and cons weighing that decision?
1: For me, I got to a point where I didn't want to be an Olympic skater. Mm -hmm. And my coach, that was what he wanted from me. Mm -hmm. So he actually said to me, look, you either need to quit skating or quit school. Mm -hmm. And I decided to quit skating. I was terrified to tell my parents that I wanted to quit because I thought that they also wanted me to be an Olympic skater. But when I told them, they immediately were like, Great. (laughs) That's what you want. Okay. And it was such a relief to have Mm. their support around that. Um, The reason I wanted to quit was because, and I I also understand this, but my coach always put me in competitions where I was not good enough. Mm. So I lost every competition I entered. Mm. And I don't mean I I lost like I got second place. I lost <laughs> like I got dead last because oh I was just competing with people who I shouldn't have been competing with. They were not, I was not at their level. And every person is motivated by a different type of energy. Like Jillian Michaels, the the personal trainer, mm-hmm. she is known to motivate people through pushing and anger and toughness <laughs> and telling people that they're terrible and that that's going to motivate them to do better. That is not me. Mm-hmm. When I am shown repeatedly that I'm not good enough for a while, it'll be like, oh, well, let's, I'm going to show you what I can do. But after 10 years of losing over and over, I, it, I started to develop a lot of anxieties, a lot of insecurities. I was very sad. I got very angry. Um, and I just, I I was not happy. And I needed a different motivation than what I was given. At that age, I didn't know that. To communicate that to my coach, um, he probably would have done things differently, but I was the star at at my Mm -hmm. rink. Everyone thought I was the next big thing. So they treated me like a star and then I would go and compete and I was the (laughs) loser. So that huge dichotomy was really hard for me to deal with.
0: I'm sure. And I want to talk about that too. How did you at 15 years old get kind of over that and get your, cause I think that takes a, a toll on your mental and, um, you know, emotional well-being. So how did you like get over that and just like become, you know, positive? Cause I feel like you're a very positive person just by talking to you. And then the other thing too, is I feel like a lot of times when athletes quit anything or they stop playing or competing, they have, um, this identity crisis so did you go through that and how did you overcome that? Yeah I was just
1: completely an ice skater I didn't have many friends and and that was also because my coach picked me up from school after school mm-hmm. so I didn't have opportunities to really develop many friendships um, for me friends were give or take mm-hmm. you know I and and I have actually throughout my life, I realized that I have not valued my friendships because that's how I learned about friendships.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, so when I quit, I was. it also was actually a good time in my life to quit because since I was a little bit of an outcast in junior high school, I was heavily bullied mm-hmm. to the point where I was thrown in the trash. I was what's called pantsed. Oh, where people would come mm-hmm. behind you and pull your pants down everywhere I walked. So I would have to hold my pants up in order for them not to pull them down. Mm-hmm. Um, I was beat up. I was had death threats every day at home. And it was, it was terrifying,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, obviously. And yeah. when I quit was also the same time that I moved from junior high school to high school. And because of that and I also as an athlete for my my life at that point I hadn't gone through puberty I was very far from going through puberty mm-hmm. so I was really short and I had no boobs and I had these massive thighs because <laughs> I was like I was so strong because my my I was a jumper and a spinner mm-hmm. so my I had these just huge hugely developed muscular legs. And so I was just not hitting puberty. My parents put me on growth hormones, which mm. was something I had to inject into my leg every day. So I had all these bruises all over my thighs from the injections. And people thought I was doing drugs, which I was not doing. Um, and it it just it created so many issues for me. Yeah. So then when I quit, I also went to a private school which my parents put me in because of the bullying Mm -hmm. and so I was able to yes I went through an identity crisis but I also then suddenly started to develop and came into my own Mm -hmm. physically and emotionally and I was like became pretty all of a sudden which I hadn't been before I was the wallflower I was awkward I was little I was just the I was just weird Mm -hmm. um and all of a sudden all the boys liked me and I was really (laughs) You know, cool. And I became a dancer, and I was the head of the drill team. and so that allowed my identity crisis to be softened a little bit mm-hmm. um as I went into a new identity. So the timing worked out really well,
0: right. We'll talk about that. I had no idea about all the bullying that you went through, but, I think um, if you're willing to share, like what is your best advice for girls that are going through that? Because I'm sure there's some listeners out there who go through that. You know, kids can be mean at times, but what is your best advice for that? Because it is hard. Like I know like- It's hard. Yeah, I know from time to time I was bullied when I was younger, but, and I think a lot of kids are, but maybe not to the extent that you were, but there's kids out there. So what's your best advice for them?
1: Yeah, yeah first of all, you're not alone, Mm -hmm. and don't pretend that you are. Mm -hmm. I was so scared of my bullies. Um, I would would throw up every day at school. As soon as I got to school, I threw up because I had so much anxiety around being at school. And I didn't tell my parents what was going on because I was ashamed, and I also was afraid that if I told them that they would then call the other parents and it would make Mm -hmm. the bullying worse. Mm -hmm. I didn't tell the teachers, I just acted like I don't have any friends, so I want to hang out with you guys for nutrition and lunch. So I hung out in my homeroom with my teacher for for my meals, or I hid. Um, and you don't need to do that. You you aren't alone. It is important to be vulnerable. Be vulnerable, which is powerful. It takes courage to be vulnerable. It is not a weakness. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to your parents if if they do go to the, well, I'm calling the other parents right now. I understand the fear of that because that actually can rile them up. And and at one point my parents did go and call some of the other parents when they heard the voice messages that were literally saying they were going to kill me. Mm-hmm. And it did make that worse. So have a, a real conversation with your parents and with the teachers and come up with a plan of attack. And if you need to, then switch schools,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: because if if it it is at a point where it's dangerous and for me it was at a point where it was dangerous. There were a lot of gangs that were against me and when they were giving me death threats, those were real death threats. Mm-hmm. So it is it is taking care of yourself and not hiding and also not listening to what the bullies are saying. You know, They were lying about me. They were saying things that simply weren't true
2: mm-hmm. and
1: I knew that it wasn't true. Um, and I allowed it to push me down instead of, I'm, you know, not fighting back because if it's one against all of these people, depending on the situation, it really can be life threatening.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but don't, don't let them define you. You mm-hmm. define you, mm-hmm. and you get into other sports. I got into music class, and so I was able to have music for a while at nutrition and lunch, and I, I terribly played the violin as just a way <laughs> to remove myself. So do what you need to do to take care of you, because they don't matter in the end. Like, mm-hmm. the, what's interesting now is the amount of my bullies who have reached out to me on Facebook,
2: mm-hmm. and like,
1: friend requested me. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? I'm not gonna be your friend. Wow. <laughs> ruined my junior high school life. Those were the worst years of my life. And now they want to be my friend. Mm -hmm. It's just later on, they're going to be looking at you and hoping that they can be like you or at least be friends with you. So don't give them the attention that they're trying so hard to get.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, that is just such great advice. I absolutely love that. And I hope anyone that's going through bullying really takes that to heart. But um, talk about, too, when you went to your the new school um, and then you were on the drill team. That's pretty cool, too. What was that like? And you said you were a dancer, too. So talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. I needed, for me, ice skating was a way to communicate. And I, cause I was able to just go and go so fast. I always had private ice. So, which mm-hmm. means that the um, ice rink was rented out for me. And so I would be able to go as fast as I wanted mm-hmm. to and do my jumps and do my spins and really express myself through my body. So that was the one thing that was really hard for me when I quit skating mm-hmm. was that I didn't have my self-expression anymore. So in, high school, I was a modern dancer and in the drill team. The drill team was because it was like, it was fun and it was Mm -hmm. dances. Mm -hmm. Um, The modern dancing though, I choreographed all of my dances and they were all super emotional. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was also just totally obsessed with boys and (laughs) um, probably because they didn't like me at all in junior high since I was so awkward. So I I, like reading back at all of the my diary of like I'm in love with him and he's not acknowledging (laughs) me, which I think I started in elementary school. Like no wonder I'm a dating coach, but I used that to express myself. And then I actually went when I was in college. I was a modern dance major, Uh and so that was. I did modern, I did ballet, I I didn't want to be, again, similar to ice skating, which mm-hmm. I didn't want to be an Olympic skater, mm-hmm. with dance, I didn't want to be a professional dancer, but I was good at it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I liked the expression that I was able to have, and it got me through college, mm-hmm. uh, until I injured myself, I severed all the ligaments in my um, left ankle, and oh. I had to quit that major, and become an English major. And and that's how I ended up graduating from college. But great lessons mm-hmm. in both skating and dance. You know, I learned about poise and presentation and really hard work and waking up early and mm-hmm. <laughs> um, being a self-starter and a self-motivator. And um, and practice and how important that was and failing mm-hmm. and not allowing the failures to push me down. So all of those are things that I've been able to translate into my life as a whole.
0: hmm. I think um, it goes to show why a lot of the reasons why people who are successful, um, they're usually athletes, I feel like. A lot of the times, or they do something competitive in some nature, and those are the ones because they build those skills, like you just said. But um, since you mentioned college, let's talk about it. Um, Your college years, going from a dance major to English major, and how did that bring you to becoming a dating coach?
1: So I – I, when I was a dancer um, and then I injured myself, I couldn't walk for six months and I gained a lot of weight. So I started doing these workouts in bed, and mm-hmm. they were cardio workouts that I would just like literally sit on my bed and do upper body cardio until I was dripping in sweat. And that's how I lost the weight. So Then as an English major, I went into um, the television industry since I'm from Los Angeles and my parents are in the industry. I went into the industry and I hated it (laughs) because I had to work in an office and wear a suit and do things with other people. And as an ice skater, I did not learn how to work well with others. Mm -hmm. So I just, I've always been completely not interested in working (laughs) as a team. (laughs) So I quit uh, the entertainment industry, became a publicist for a little while. uh, And then I became a writer when I was 22. I sold my first book because I learned, you know, through skating and everything else that if I wanted to do something, well, I'm going to do it. Like, Mm -hmm. I never questioned if I could do something or not. So I sold a book to HarperCollins, which is a pretty big publishing house, and it was on Mm -hmm. stress reduction. Um, And the reason I knew about stress was because I had just gone through my first divorce. My parents were married at 21. I'm a romantic. I love love. (laughs) I wanted to get married at 21, too. So I did. And then I went into working and my husband at the time did not work. And it just it just didn't work. So we divorced within six months. And then I sold my book and I started writing for a bunch of different magazines. And it was, again, just I want to be a writer, okay, I'm gonna write. So I started mm-hmm. travel writing and writing about beauty and about fitness, because I knew about fitness. I took those bed workouts mm-hmm. and turned them into YouTube videos that I called Quickie Workouts in Bed, which oh were me God. doing workouts on a bed. <laughs> and, and then I sold, my fourth book was called Quickie Chick, and it was quick tips for chicks, uh, mostly college-age girls of just everything lifestyle. One chapter in that book was on dating. Mm. and people really loved that chapter, and I had a lot of experience in dating since I was so stunted with (laughs) dating. I dated like an absolute insane person as soon as I could date. (laughs) I probably dated every single person in Los Angeles (laughs) and other (laughs) places in the country. And and I loved talking about dating, so Mm. I started then doing videos about dating where I would talk about, these are my mistakes, don't make my mistakes, do this instead. Mm -hmm. And people started reaching out to me and asking for my advice. I was giving my advice for free constantly and realized, I think I can charge for this. Someone called me a dating coach. And I really liked the idea. I always knew that I wanted to work for myself Mm -hmm. and I wanted to work from home because both of my parents worked and they worked out of the house and I was raised primarily by a housekeeper. So I wanted to be able to raise my children. Mm -hmm. And as a dating coach, I'm able to be at home on the phone or on video skype Mm -hmm. talking to my clients who are all over the world I make my own hours I make my own money you know if I choose not to work that then I'm not making money Mm -hmm. um I can take as much time off as I want and I've created a lifestyle that's really great for me and now I've been a coach for 10 years and I have I wrote a book on dating called screwing the rules (laughs) and then and I developed my podcast and I was on uh, famously single on E, which mm-hmm. was a show where I coached celebrities, and I'm on TV a lot as a dating coach and in magazines, and it's um, it's been a really fun career for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, it sounds like it. I just think it's so cool. I mean, not to you know say Nike's slogan, but like you're. It seems like to me, it's just just do it, you know. Yeah. And that's what you've done, and I absolutely love that about you. I think that is so cool and you have had a successful career with all the media publications, networks, books that you've had, what would you attribute all of this success to?
1: To, I mean, a lot of it, my, my parents have always been supportive of me no matter what. So um, I think that that ingrained in me that I, can, that I can do it, that I can do whatever I want, whatever I put my mind to um, and without fear. So it's when I when I decided to write a book, I didn't know what that meant to write a book, (laughs) but I just started writing a book and Mm -hmm. I sold it and I was paid a lot of money to write it. (laughs) And then with magazines, I became an editor for Fit Magazine when I was 23 and I had to oversee all of the photo shoots and I all the articles and I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know how to hire a photographer. So I just started Doing it. I called Nike and I said, I want to write about you guys. The next day I get like four cases of free clothes and shoes to write about. And
0: oh I just my gosh. I
1: figured it out. You know, oh. I wanted to be a travel writer. So I started calling hotels and saying, hey, I'm a travel writer. Put me up for free and I'll write about you. And they did. <laughs> and so I was able to develop this career based on me not just wanting to do it, but then proving myself. So an example is, I really wanted to write for Men's Journal. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I was writing for Men's Health, Playboy, and a magazine called FHM, which is no longer. And for Playboy, I was doing a lot of sex stuff, but also some travel writing. Um, Men's Health, I was doing like health tips about medicine and stuff like that. But Men's Journal, for some reason, was the magazine I wanted. So I called the editor and I said, I want to write for you. I'm a freelancer. These are all the magazines I've written for. And he's like, OK, send me an idea. Send me a list of ideas and call me next week. OK. Sent them the list of ideas, called them next week, didn't respond. Sent them a list of ideas, called them next week. They said, call me next week. We did this for months. Call me next weeks. Finally, I called and he's starts cussing at me that I have no idea what the F I'm doing, that I'm never going to make it in this industry, that I'm so annoying, that I'm like going on and on. (laughs) So I started crying on the phone. And he hung up. Then he calls back and he's like, look, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. I'm slammed. And I just can't deal with it right now. And I said, okay, I understand. You just, you had told me to send you ideas and I've been doing that. And he's like, Okay, fine. Send me some ideas and I'll seriously consider it. And then I called him back after I sent the ideas and he's like, I don't know. I just, I can't deal right now. So he told me off again. I flew to New York and I went into the offices of Men's Journal and I went to reception and I asked if he was there and he got on the phone and uh, I said, you know, he said, where are you? And I said, I'm in your waiting room. (laughs) And he's like, okay. And I said, can you just give me literally two minutes, just two minutes. And he said, why would you come here? And I said, I just wanted to meet the man who told me off. So he came out and he gave me a job. And as, as a freelancer, not on staff, but he started, I started working on journal and that was because I was not going to give up. Mm -hmm. And I had a mentor, a guy named Michael Ovitz when I was, um, 19 through 21, and then he continued for a long time. He started a agency called CAA, Creative Artists Agency, which wow, all of the yep.
2: mm-hmm.
1: people, you know, Tom Cruise and everyone yes. were in. And then he was the head of Disney. And I reached out to him and said, "I want you to be my mentor. I want to interview you." And he was like, "Okay." So that's how he became my mentor. So it was just I constantly was, and then I remember him telling me once. You know what I like about you, Laurel? And I was like, "No what?" And he said, "You don't care who I am." And I said, "Well, you're Michael. Like you're <laughs> you're just a guy." And he's like, "Right. Everyone else bows down to me. Everyone else is afraid to talk to me, but you're not. You just you just call me. You tell me what you if I'm frustrating you, you tell me. Like you are so real with me, and that's what I like about you." Mm-hmm. And I've taken that And put that, woven that through my career and my relationships. Um, And I think because of that, because I don't have the intimidation factor. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe that anyone is better than me. Not (laughs) not that I think I'm that amazing. I just, I think that every single person has something to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. As long as you show up with what you have to bring. And that's in dating and that's in business and that's in everything. And this is why... Now, I've been proposed to 10 times, and I've been married several, um, and it's because I I believe I'm great, Mm -hmm. and I believe everyone else has the ability to be great too, and I like to extract the humanity and greatness out of people and simultaneously show them the humanity and greatness in me.
0: Wow, that is amazing. I mean, it's It's cool to meet someone who does things with no fear, because I think that's not very common at all. I think we don't do things because we're scared to do it. We're afraid to be told no, but you just do it. I mean, the worst is that you'll be told no. And then, like you said, you just don't give up. You keep going. Like with Men's Journal, you got told no a bunch of times and you said no, like I'm going to get a yes. And I absolutely love that. Um, But you mentioned dating. I said
1: I also talked about my anxiety. So I just yes. have <laughs> like I internalize it and it's super, super deep, but I do have this anxiety in there that I have historically really struggled with. And I was on medication for it for a long time. And then I went on Chinese herbs to help it. And I've I've been able to get control of it by various things that I do. I'm an introvert, so mm-hmm. I've I've learned how to manage myself and Uh, take care of myself in ways that I need to. I still, with public speaking, I'll get on the stage and I start crying. Mm -hmm. And I I was speaking to college, uh, high school students for a while where I would go to underprivileged schools and talk Mm -hmm. about how to achieve. And I would start crying in front of them, in front Mm -hmm. of these students, almost every single time. And it was just because, it was not because I was sad, I was scared.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's, um, I've been told a few times before, If something scares you, you should do it. Like, whatever makes you fearful, you should just dive right in and do it. And, like, because you never know what the outcome can be. You never know. Like, I'm sure for you, when you go to speak to these high school students, as much as you are scared to public speak, you could have changed someone's life or, you know, multiple kids' lives. And so you have to remember, you know, I'm going to be – who can I help? And if I don't do this, who – who am i taking that away from? You know, who am i not going to help because i'm scared. And
1: and it's also like the with TV. I've been on TV hundreds if not thousands of times. And i used to have to take medication in order to go on TV. And now i'm really good at it because i'm not talking to a group of people, i'm talking to a camera mm-hmm. and to maybe a couple of anchors and it's their job to look like they're interested. Mm-hmm. Whereas with a group of people, you know, they might be, everyone might be on their cell phones so, or like, you're wrong. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but on TV, they're paid to make me look good. And so I do. Um, but at the beginning, I was terrified and would have anxiety attacks. And I decided I'm going to continue plowing through it. And I've made a lot of money on TV mm-hmm. because I've continued to push and push and push and practice and break myself down, which is something, you know, from ice skating also, mm-hmm. I will have a TV appearance and then I sit and analyze myself. And what did I do? What could I do better? I'm never like, oh, I did that great. It's what can I do better? And wow. it's something that I call taking notes. Mm-hmm. Um, I would even talk to the producers and they would say, you did a great job. Thank you. But what can I do better?
0: Well, I think it's so true. I mean, always striving to be better within whether it's sports, whether it's, you know, anything that you do career wise, even in relationships. I love that. And let's dive into relationships. What is your, I mean, I'm sure there's thousands of things you can talk about, but overall, what's your best dating and love advice, um, for our high school listeners, college listeners, and then post-college, because I feel like it may be different at each age.
1: You know, I would say that no matter what age, from from junior high until <laughs> you're seventy-five, it is be confidently vulnerably, unapologetically you without a fear of judgment. And that means you know, we're all dealing with our stuff. We all have our shame, we all have our insecurities, we're all we all have our not good enoughs, we all have our fears. We all have our whatever it is, and we're all different,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, different but equal. And so it's embracing what makes us different,
2: mm-hmm.
1: embracing our quirks, <laughs> embrace like I'm super quirky. I'm, I talk about being an introvert. I talk about my weirdnesses. I show them because I am not, I'm so far from perfect, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Perfect is boring. Perfect is forgettable. Um, Perfect is not human.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Perfect is having walls up. Perfect is fear. Mm -hmm. Perfect is is not you. And it's exhausting to be perfect. It's hard to be perfect. And when you're perfect, your heart actually isn't open. Mm -hmm. So stop trying to be what you think you should and start being who you are no matter who you are. And if someone can't accept you for you, why would you want them anyway? Mm-hmm. Like you don't. And and the truth is too, once you show you once you show them you, you're being the example of your expectation. You're creating an environment of safety and trust and saying, It's okay for you to show me you also. Mm-hmm. So now you're both being real and that's where the real depth of connection happens. yeah. Um, and then it, it, first love is another thing that happens around that time
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I know my first love I was in um, high school and I the thing that's so interesting about first love is the reason why it feels so strong and I still struggle I still struggle with feelings of first love and so many of my clients are like I'm never going to have that first love feeling again and I'm like you're right Mm -hmm. Because that's the first time you ever felt that love. Mm -hmm. It's the first time you ever felt an emotion. The first time you ever feel an emotion is the most powerful feeling that you're ever going to have. It's like the first time I ever had, okay, white truffles, which is not very (laughs) common of a food. But Mm -hmm. I will never, it's my favorite food now. The first time I've ever had white truffles, I, I mean, it was like an experience. It was so mind-blowing i will never forget eating them because it was the first time i ever exposed myself to that food it they've never been as great they're amazing never been as great as the first mm-hmm. time i put them in my mouth same thing with chocolate same thing with whatever it is that you love the first time you had it was the best mm-hmm. after that it's still great but mm-hmm. nothing compares to the first time so sorry
0: yeah wow <laughs> no that is so true it's funny because I feel like, gosh, that is so true with anything. Like the first time you have something, it's amazing. And then like you said, it's great, but you're like, dang, it's not as good as the first time I had it. So I think that's such, and it's, and it's okay to accept like it was the first time and you're not going to have that feeling again. And it's okay to accept that. And Um, it's also
1: like my first love, not that great.
0: You know, it
1: was (laughs) If I, if I look at it and compare it to relationships I've had since, Mm -hmm. not that healthy, not that nice, not that, not sure why I put so much weight on that one, except that it was my first time that my heart was tapped and that I felt that feeling. Mm -hmm. And so, you know. Give yourself permission to feel it. And when it ends, because it probably will end, mm-hmm. um, don't feel like it's the end of the world. Yeah. There will be more. It mm-hmm. won't feel that powerful again, but it will feel better. Right. It'll feel calm. It'll feel healthy. It'll feel like relaxing. It'll feel like putting on your coziest pajamas and getting into <laughs> a cloud of a bed after being awake for five days and Mm -hmm. running on your feet it will relationships will feel better Mm -hmm. they might just not have that (gasps) feeling all of the time know that you'll feel it again but in a different and improved way
0: yeah oh my gosh that is so true I love that um and what about because we kind of mentioned your first love it probably won't last so one thing is I think a lot of times um, what happens in their dating lives and relationships, it's hard to separate it from, you know, other things in their life, especially sports and just like getting their mental um, side and emotional um, side, right for in their sport. So what's your best advice for kind of separating the dating life from, you know, keeping a positive attitude when they have to train, have to play their game, all of that.
1: You know, this is what life is going to look like Mm -hmm. is, compartmentalizing and life is not perfect things infrequently go right so it is saying okay like everything in your life is not going to be right generally at the same time and that's okay and that's normal Mm -hmm. and so it is sort of training yourself when you're young when you're having these extreme feelings um that okay I'm going to Put This love situation in this box right now and and right now I'm going to deal with my training right now I'm going to deal with my school right now I'm going to deal with my whatever else I need to deal with and it is very easy to say and it is very hard to do And you need to start practicing doing that Mm -hmm. and not allowing your entire life to be defined by any one thing Mm -hmm. it's like when people say they come to me and they're like I want a guy who's hot (laughs) and that's all that I care about. And I'm like, great. What if he is a jerk? Well, of course I don't want that. Okay, what if he is mean? What if he is stupid? What if he is, you know, not successful? What if he uses you? What if he, well, of course I don't want any of that too. Right, but all you see is hot. So we're supposed to give one point to each thing And we're giving 10 points to hot and no points to anything else. So now all of a sudden, all we see, we have these blinders on to hot and everything else we don't see. Mm -hmm. Same thing with your life. If all you see is your relationship and you allow the feelings in your relationship to take over everything else in your life, then you're not gonna be able to enjoy all of the other many great things that are happening. Give one point to your relationship, one point to your sport, one point to your school, one point to your family, one point to whatever else is important to you. Mm-hmm. Everything gets a point. One point to you, to your mental health, to your calm, to your <laughs> you know, allowing yourself to just be yourself so that you're not all, because I was the all, the girlfriend for a while. And that's how I learned. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've learned from my mistakes. That's why I do what I do is because Mm -hmm. I'm really good at analyzing what I've done wrong, Mm -hmm. which is a lot. (laughs) And I was that person who not only was I trained not to have girlfriends when because of all the stuff, but then the bullying, you know, it was mostly girls who bullied me. So that made me not trust girls. Mm -hmm. So then with guys, if I was dating a guy, Goodbye, all girlfriends. Mm -hmm. Like, that was my entire (laughs) life was that guy. And when we broke up, it was like my world was shattered. Mm -hmm. And I didn't see all the other amazingness that was going on. It ruined vacations. It ruined, like, ridiculous things that I should have been very, very physically, emotionally, and mentally involved in. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't Mm -hmm. because I allowed this one thing that turned out to be not as great as I thought it was at the time to totally take over everything. Mm-hmm. So again, easy to say, hard to do, but try.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. It is so true. I feel like you're just preaching to the choir. I just think about, you know, my adolescent years and, you know, high school, even college where, yeah, it's hard to compartmentalize, but if they can learn that now, I think that'll just really, really help them with their, with their dating and and love lives. But, um, and you talked a little bit about confidence already, but how can girls start practicing and owning their confidence today? Because you mentioned it, like you have to be unapologetically who you are and confident in dating, but how, what can girls start doing to practicing and owning their confidence today?
1: Um, it's, it's instead of looking at the negatives in you of the butts. Mm-hmm. So it's what I call a yes and. Um, so instead of looking at yes, but I'm not good at that. Yes, but I'm not good at that. It's when your attitude goes to the but it goes to the negative instead of, you know, I'm really good at ice skating and uh, I need to work on my schoolwork. Mm -hmm. I'm really good at ice skating and I am actively working on improving my friendships. Mm -hmm. So instead of, but I don't have any friends, Mm -hmm. you know, let's just, let's try and shift everything to that. And, Mm -hmm. and also looking at areas of negative or what you look at and consider negatives and shift it to positives of I get to. Mm -hmm. So Um, I might be really stressed and my boyfriend and I just broke up and I'm not sleeping, but I get to have more time for myself now. Mm -hmm. And I get to really focus on what makes me happy. And I get to not have to think about someone every night and call him, even when I'm not in the mood. Mm-hmm. So, shifting your mind to I get to you, allows you to start looking more at the positive instead of putting a flashlight on the negatives. And that's personally also, you know, like with me, I developed very late. I didn't have many friends, but I was, I got to, since I did develop late. I got to work on building who I was. Mm -hmm. I got to, yeah, look at the negatives in my life and see how I could overcome them instead of being obsessed with my boyfriend Mm because boys didn't like me, which was great because I got to be totally selfish instead. Mm -hmm. So it's trying to shift from, well, I'm in this situation and it's terrible to, and it allows me to do this instead.
0: I love that yeah i think it's definitely all about practicing gratitude and i think the more you do that i think the better things that will come because you'll be able to see the good in everything and that's when you kind of become confident and come into your own um one thing i really want to discuss too um is coming out as lesbian or bisexual um to friends family teammates because this topic really isn't talked about but it's very prevalent in the female sports world um and i think it's important for girls to know that you know, they're a lot in alone and they they shouldn't be ashamed for whoever they like and whoever they want to date. So what is your best advice for those girls, especially at this age, um, if they feel afraid to talk about it and really don't know what to do?
1: You know, it goes into what I say about everything else is be confidently, uh, confidently, vulnerably, mm-hmm. unapologetically you. Mm-hmm. So in that and when it comes to coming out, it's using power communication, which it, it is Consists of six things um, You want to be direct mm-hmm. focus and assertive So direct you're gonna say you know and this is to yourself also be direct with yourself mm-hmm. Be focused on what it is that you want to say assert yourself. Don't be aggressive mm-hmm. Be assertive simultaneously be kind authentic and vulnerable So that softens the direct, focused, assertive, the kind, authentic, vulnerable softens all of that. Mm -hmm. So that is when communicating with others. And if someone doesn't accept you or makes you try and feel bad, then they're not your friends, Mm -hmm. you know, and and if it's your parents, then they'll come around eventually. Mm -hmm. And you just don't need to talk about it with them. But you can say confidently, vulnerably, unapologetically, not with aggression, not with anger this is who I am and this is how I choose to live my life. And you know, I'm, I'm sorry if you can't accept it right now, but I would hope that you would still be able to love me underneath. Mm -hmm. So like my son is three and a half Mm -hmm. and I was angry at him the other day because he was being a three and a half year old boy (laughs) and not behaving and not listening. (laughs) And um, after he came up to me and he said, Mommy, do you like me? do you still like me? And I said, of course I love you. And he said, yes, but do you like me? And I said, yes, I will always like you. I'm also angry at you. (laughs) And I will always like you and love you. I also don't understand you right now. And I also like you and I will always love you. So it is allowing yourself to have conversations with other people where you get specific about it okay i understand that you don't understand me
0: Mm -hmm.
1: do you still love me yes okay great that's something right you know so it's getting into what are the actual feelings not the emotions around it emotions are irrational emotions are thoughtless and careless feelings are what are under the the emotions. And that's what we need to get to. And the facts underneath that, too. You know, mm-hmm. I like you. I love you. I don't understand you. <laughs> I'm disappointed. I'm hurt. I'm whatever it is. Fine. That's your stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. But as
1: long as we have an understanding of where we are, that's good enough for me for right now.
0: Mm hmm. Gosh, that's great advice for any relationship, I feel like, no matter who it's with. Um, I'm going to take that in all my relationships, even friendships and, you know, (laughs) parents and my husband, all of that. That's amazing. Um, What about we had a question from um, one of our listeners. Um, Any dating tips and advice for gay women, especially as an athlete? I don't know if it may be, you know, your advice may be different for um, gay or lesbian relationships. Maybe it's not. I think it may be the same exact thing that you said
1: it's exactly the same i have Mm -hmm. clients who are gay straight um and absolutely everything in between Mm -hmm. and i give them all the same advice Mm -hmm. so everything that i'm saying Mm -hmm. is what you should do
0: love that that's amazing um, yeah. What about any final thoughts that you have on ice skating, on creating a su- successful career in what you love, um, dating advice? Any final uh, thoughts or advice for our listeners?
1: You know, I would I would look at in love, in work, in sports, in life. Mm-hmm. There are going to be a lot of downs, and there are also if you extract the lesson then it will allow you to move forward. Mm -hmm. If you don't extract the lesson, then those downs are going to keep you down. Mm -hmm. Lessons push you up. So it's looking at the downs and saying, okay, well, what did I learn? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sucked. Yeah, that hurt. Yeah, that was disappointing. Yeah, it made me ashamed. Yes, I'm embarrassed. Yes, you know, whatever it is. And, right, now going back to the yes and, Mm -hmm. and I learned. And so it's what I call the the U strategy the letter U. Mm-hmm. So it's positivity, I'm glad that I did this thing. Um it was I'm I'm proud of myself for trying and then going down to the negative and I screwed up or they hurt me or I didn't know and this happened and then going this is a U. This is not a like weird angled thing where you go into negative 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 so positivity down into some vulnerability the negative and then i going back up i learned mm-hmm. and in that i learned it allows you to extract a lesson think about the positive and this is something that you can take away when it comes to any difficult conversations with people mm-hmm. use the you strategy thank you so much for being there i'm really struggling with this and if we can get on the same page it'll be great because of this so Using that you allows you to shift your mind, shift conversations, and and shift your life.
0: Mm-hmm. Gosh. Oh, my gosh. I love that. I think you just gave so much great advice. I mean, I'm going to take away so many things, so I hope our listeners do as well. <laughs> um, final question for you. What does playing like a girl mean to you?
1: Um, it means... Kicking ass. It means
0: being totally yourself.
1: It means doing whatever you want. Like it's, as I had said earlier, guys, girls, men, women, we're all different but equal. Mm -hmm. And it's utilizing your differences and using them as strengths, Mm -hmm. not weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So, whatever it is that your strengths are, focus on strengthening your strengths, mm-hmm. not strengthening your weaknesses, and definitely not allowing your weaknesses to pull you down. Mm-hmm. Strengthen your strengths, allow yourself to shine because playing like a girl, women who realize they deserve more will get more. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you believe, you'll get it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And that's what you need to do.
0: Oh my gosh, I love that. Thank you so much, Laurel, for coming on the podcast. I appreciate you and I hope our listeners love this as as much as I did. Thank you so much, you guys. If you loved this episode, please share it with a friend who you think will love it too. If you have just a few minutes to leave an honest review on iTunes, we would appreciate it more than you know. You can also send any questions or topics you'd like us to cover by sending us a DM on Instagram at playlikeagirlmp. We want to know what you want to hear. Before you go, screenshot this episode and tag us at playlikeagirlmp so we know you're listening alongside us. Thank you so much to listening to episode 17 of Play Like a Girl. We hope you come back for more. Once again, I'm Nikki B, and remember to never stop playing like a girl.
1: You play ball like a girl!
2: and in the dark.